0: Today's episode is brought to you by The Chocolate Mousse. The Chocolate Moose is a specialty candy store based in Pittsburgh, but they also have an amazing online store. They offer a number of different delicious, sweet confections, everything from artisan chocolates, specialty curated gift baskets, gummies, jelly beans, imported candies from all over the world, and Anything you can imagine, they can ship to you. If you want to treat yourself, they can ship to your loved ones. If you want to send a fun gift, and um, they are available on Instagram. You can find them at the Chocolate Moose PGH. That's M O O S E. Or you can go to their website at chocolate moose 2myshopifycom mm-hmm. Hi BBs, how are you this week? It is your old pal B, the Zine Witch, here for another episode of the Burn Black Podcast, your home for all things astrology, wellness, human design, mental health, and bullshit. How are you guys doing? (laughs) It's been a hell of a week. Um, I feel like we're just getting through it. So many people making critical life changes this week. It seems a lot of um, a lot of healing actually is what I've really noticed. I've gotten quite a few apologies this week out of the woodwork. Um, I've had a lot of closures this week that felt really good. Uh, I've noticed a lot of people getting married a lot of people settling down, a lot of people packing up their things and moving different places, Um, a lot of people coming to terms with their addictions and really making the efforts to start the process of a new life for themselves, a better life. And I think it's that Chiron retrograde that's happening that's really kind of making us really do the inner work and I think as I predicted those who are not doing the inner work are really going to get hit by it or are currently getting hit by it and being put into situations where they really need to face their shadow so it's it's intense energy and we're headed into leo season so it's gonna up the ante a little bit (laughs) I want to thank all of you guys. I was really vulnerable this week and I I shared a story. Um, If you've been following me, I talked on a previous podcast about... um, I had been seeing someone and, like, the realization this week after speaking to a mutual friend and kind of looking at a bunch of narcissistic personality red flags and after talking to a fellow astrologer friend who has gone through that quite a bit and is in a a healing process as well of having had those relationships in her own life it really became very clear that this person was abusive and toxic to me and the reason that I had been feeling the way that I had been feeling which was so confusing to me and upsetting was really because I'd been gaslighted and I'd been, you know, love bombed and um, future faked, all of the things that narcissists sort of do when they get into relationships that they feel they like can benefit from devalued. And so it wasn't me being crazy at all. I had been victimized by this person. And I guess the part that made me feel so skeevy is that they had followed me for months They were very familiar with my work and uh, I feel as though I was specifically targeted and that made me feel very icky. But I'm really grateful. I'm always looking for the gratitude in every situation and the gratitude that I have in this situation is that I met a really cool badass friend and that is my friend Marissa whose music you'll be hearing later on this podcast. So shout out to Marissa who is amazing. Um, And so this week we have a pretty packed episode. I have a chat with uh, Chad from Astral Integrations, who is a beautiful astrologer with a beautiful soul, also on the autism spectrum. We talk a bit about that and um i have some brand new music for you guys i have anna has sent in a self-care tip reagan is back with burn black book club say that five times the past <laughs> and so much more so stick around i love you bbs out oh, and be sure to join my patreon at patreon.com burn black you can support my work there for only a dollar a month i've been updating regularly and I'm still booking phone readings, so give a call, give a DM. I love you.
1: And now for the Astro Weather Forecast.
0: So this week we have another new moon and it's happening in the sign of cancer and this is actually the first new moon that we're having since 2017 that is not happening during an eclipse but even though this is a typical new moon in cancer that doesn't mean that it's not going to be problematic because it is in a tight opposition to saturn so saturn is restriction it's discipline, it's lack, it's authority. And cancer is the home in our domestic affairs and the roots of our issues and how we nurture ourselves. So when these two are in a tight opposition with one another, we might wanna be making a lot of changes uh, to our home, where we live. We might have some changes that have to do even with our more Yin parent, usually the mother. Um, And we might be wanting to make changes to our roots and structures. However, Saturn might make us feel like we're being blocked from doing that, from some sort of outside force beyond our control. And so we really want to look and see where Cancer is in your chart because that's really the area of life that it's going to pop up in. And to be more specific... I want to talk about the fact that the moon is occurring at 28, and tw- or, sorry, 28 degrees and 27 minutes of Cancer. So it's going to really be affecting people who have personal planets between 24 and 30 degrees in the cardinal signs. And so the cardinal signs are Capricorn, Libra, Cancer, and Aries. So if you have planets there, you're really going to be affected by this new moon. But additionally, also people who have planets that are between one to two degrees in the fixed signs. So Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius will also significantly be affected by this new change. So we also have the sun moving from Cancer into Leo. So let's talk a little bit about that. So, Cancer is very intuitive. Um, It's very emotional energy. It's very nurturing energy. And so, it's moving from this, like, very soft but moody energy into this very showy, uh, very dramatic energy. And so, we want to look and really see where Leo is in our chart. Because this is the area of life that might be upped the ante going into leo season and so uh, for instance i am a virgo rising and so i have leo in my 12th house so i can expect my 12th house stuff to kind of feel a little bit more dramatic this month um so that's something to really think about as well it's also a place where we can really be nurturing our creativity so maybe i will take on a 12th house project creatively this week um I am getting together with one of my dear astrologer friends who is a 12th house Leo sun. So maybe this is the time where our two heads will be put together, where we can start to brainstorm beautiful ideas that we can bring into the world to give you guys further. So um, some other stuff to talk about is, you know, Mars is still in, it's, Mars is still in Aries. And so our energy going into Leo season might feel a little bit boosted, a little angry, a little aggro. We might be a little bit more reactionary. So it might be a good time to remind ourselves to respond and not react. Um, We're going to feel a lot more active. So if you're having a lot of energy, this might be a good time to put it into things that require some self-care some cancer things going for runs going for walks in the park listening to music trying to not take it out on other people and really trying to put that work into ourselves getting back into ourselves a little bit and that's our astro weather forecast for the week if you would like a further reading or if you would like to hear more about the astro weather a little bit deeper you can message me on instagram at the zine thank you For my lovely chat with Chad from Astral Integrations.
2: All right. I'm good. How are you, B? I'm
0: doing good. Uh, just hanging in there. <laughs> it's been busy. Has it been busy for you too?
2: Um, yes, yeah, it been different ways. It's been a kind of interesting year. Uh, it's always a little harder for me um, when things start to transit my 12th house
0: <laughs> oh wow yeah um i i feel like when things are in my 12th house it's like a cleansing it's uh, uh, i always find okay the most difficult transits are always when they're either 12th house transits or they're when things are at the like third or fourth house because <laughs> it's kind of like cleaning a toilet bowl
2: yeah you got to go to the depths in the fourth house <laughs>
0: yeah um i had my north node transiting my 12th house and that was a time let me tell you
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm sure that was actually the well that was um leo north node and cancer north node for a little bit for me so that happened not too long ago
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so I have so many questions for you. I don't really know where to begin. So you are you, you are on the autism spectrum um which I think is so interesting because we both uh I feel like I feel like we've talked a little bit about this offline but we've talked about how we're always curious as two people on the spectrum to see how it shows up in an astrology chart and I know like it's not necessarily ethical to ask that. <laughs> but I think it's very interesting that we both had the same observations that it's like Taurus Scorpio stuff on the angles. So I wanted to ask you a little bit more about that and I wanted to also kind of discuss your journey a little bit and how that affects your work or has affected your life specifically and then we I thought we could talk a little bit about our intended topic which was generational trauma and healing with astrology and how we can integrate. Does that sound good with you? Yeah,
2: sounds great to me. <laughs>
0: um, so let's start at the beginning. So w- did you happen to get an autism diagnosis early in life or was this later in life? And then how did the astrology sort of fit into it?
2: Um, so I believe it was like 15 or 16 when I was diagnosed. Um, I think it was partly because it wasn't such a common thing back then, and uh, I'm particularly high-functioning. Um, I'm very intelligent, uh, but as you know, I grew older, my social skills, there's kind of more of a disconnect where I was having a hard time connecting with people, so it became a little bit more obvious. I had a lot of uh, trouble in high school, specifically. I'd get in trouble a lot <laughs> because they didn't understand me, Um Yeah. And then uh, astrology came into it. Uh, I I was around, I think I was like 21. uh, And I was very scientific minded, uh, very logically minded, because that's a very common thing being on the autism spectrum. Uh, And I was in fact, actually a chemistry major originally. Um, Mm -hmm. But then I kind of opened my mind to different things. I started to take philosophy classes and learn about union psychology and like dream analysis. And then at some point I met some people that were into astrology a little bit. I'm not like super into astrology, but they showed me my birth chart and I never had seen my birth chart. I only knew sun signs and horoscopes, which, you know, I didn't think was particularly valid in the sense that you don't see the bigger picture of who a person is. You can't just, you know, define somebody by one sign. Um uh, And I'm a Scorpio deep down, so when I was like, oh man, there's something to this, there's like some truth, and I just kind of voraciously dug in, and it became a framework to help me understand the world, myself, and other individuals in a so much uh, deeper sense, and here I am 10 years later.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking recently how, I I wish there was like a way to teach people on the autism spectrum astrology very early in life especially like in your teenage years because it's such a wonderful tool to help you connect with other people when that is something that can be quite difficult and so like you can kind of understand how people are different or have different reactions than you Mm -hmm. and so you can kind of meet them more where they're at and I feel like if I had discovered astrology I mean I liked astrology when I was a teenager but not to the level that I understand it now but I feel like if I did I would have had just such an easier time
2: yeah most definitely and I think the true is also uh the same is true in reverse where we can better support people that are autistic if we understand you know their individual psychological makeup and needs which a chart will reveal and I'm a big proponent of working with families and my work to help them better understand their children's psychological and developmental needs. I think it's such a powerful tool for that. Um, And, you know, it empowers the youth to grow up and like really be so aligned with, you know, their best selves by giving them the support they need to grow and flourish. Um, But yeah, it's definitely a really great tool for understanding uh, each other. And it's helped me immensely. Uh, I, can look at somebody's chart and not you know know them at all but i can really see like the the general things they've gone through and it's kind of amazing like when i talk to somebody they're like how did you know that it's like well it's right here you know it's the language of astrology it reveals these deep truths about ourselves absolutely
0: and we were discussing how when we do find a lot of people who are autistic my nephew included having you know, Scorpio and, and, and Taurus on the angles. Like it just makes so much sense too because Pluto is such a an obsessive planet mm-hmm. and <laughs> Taurus is the senses. And these are like the two aspects of autism that stick out really. So it's so interesting to me that we both kind of ha- came to that same place. And then there's other aspects I'm sure that kind of lend itself because not everybody who has the, you know, taurus midheaven or something is going to be autistic necessarily but it is interesting do you do you have any other findings that you feel are common
2: well it's all the fixed signs it's not just taurus and scorpio because Uh, there's a fixation that comes along with autism so fixed signs fixation (laughs) um i've actually also noticed a fair amount of virgo placements and pisces placements too um and I don't know why that is, but this is like something I've seen in my experience uh, in my own chart. And then working with other people that are autistic and looking at their charts, I've, I've noticed a lot of those energies kind of coming out, too.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, that makes sense. My nephew is a Pisces son, but in the eighth house. Mm. So yeah. that makes perfect sense for him. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, Scorpio moon right um, yep <laughs> <laughs> very intense person um but it's very hidden because eighth house
2: yeah and, and the fourth house uh, so imagine his moon is right yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> so there you go also very intense mother that works does, is a social worker essentially it works with people in that capacity so that also makes sense it's just like it's so funny when you find even down to careers, like, our parents, like, just fitting so perfectly. Like, I have a tourist midheaven. My parents both owned restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> like, so that's always funny to me. And, um, and I guess I my parents also, you know, had the Scorpio aspect to them as well. But that was, like, a little bit more hidden. There were debts and things like that and addictions and things like that that were very below the surface.
2: <laughs> yeah well it's more in like the, the familial realm. you know that would kind of come up because it's your fourth house right mm-hmm. yeah so it's hidden <laughs> until it uh, kind of comes up in that more intimate setting because that's always how I imagine the fourth house is like really intimate setting where we can really let down our guard and be close with people and kind of reveal you know these deeper truths that we hide from the rest of the world
0: oh yeah I, I think my fourth house is actually one of the more interesting places in my chart. Um, I have Neptune there at 29 degrees too. And so <laughs> that's something to really pay attention to. Oh. And then, I, yeah. So I feel like, uh, I guess that more speaks to like the addictions, but it also speaks to my own intuition and that I inherited that from my family. So <laughs> yeah. Also
2: a lot of spiritual lessons in your past to draw oh, yeah, upon
0: definitely. also i used to have a home and allow people to live with me for free and take advantage of me
2: oh uh, yeah <laughs> no, no boundaries especially no boundaries it was Sag- so sagittarius right
0: I, i'm an aquarius no. but i have i have like my prominent planet would be neptune probably yeah but like, i just it, oh, sorry, it's God. in
2: sagittarius right you're neptune
0: oh yeah my neptune yeah sagittarius. sorry misunderstood yeah Yeah, there you go. Lots of, yeah. And my parent or my grandparents, my grandfather, like everyone was Orthodox. Like we were very religious. Like my grandparents were very religious. Like my actual parents were not so much, but um, very, very devout faith in God. Very. Uh, And uh, my, to the point that my grandmother believed that she was a direct descendant of Ruth from the Bible. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
2: yeah, that can be like kind of the delusional aspect too of Neptune.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean it's 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 it was it's amazing in retrospect and I wish that I appreciated it more while she was alive because but at the same time my grandmother got to the point where she was like writing me letters at least once a week and they were all about God <laughs> and spirit. And so now I would appreciate it as a grown woman and I would have like cried reading them. But as a child, I'm like, I'm going to go listen to Marilyn Manson.
2: Yeah. Well <laughs> Especially with an Aquarian influence, you know, we're, we're very rebellious. We like to do our own thing. Yeah. Come to things when we're ready. Teenager. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All I wanted to do was like join a punk band. I'm just this very stereotypical Aquarius.
2: <laughs> mhm. Yep. Uh, Aquarius is definitely <laughs> very punk. <laughs> Counter, counterculture.
0: Definitely. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about our findings in um, generational trauma. So like, for me, when I'm reading an astrology chart, and I'm trying to do healing work, there are a few places that I look, obviously, I will look at the IC, and the fourth house cast and what's going on in the fourth house, because that is well we inherit and Mm -hmm. that is our lineage and then also i will look at chiron and the moon
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, would you say you look at the same or would you do you have yeah
2: i look at those then i also i mean in some sense saturn because saturn's where we feel a blockage so there's something to work through there and you know saturn's also very karmic um It's interesting, though, too, that you brought up the the IC and Pluto, because my IC is conjunct my Pluto, and it's (laughs) trine my moon in the 8th house, so I'm very familiar with all those energies and how they play out together.
0: (laughs) I feel like that's a very karmic placement, okay? So, like, I want to talk about that for a second, because um, that actually speaks to what our given topic is, which is lineage, and for me... I have noticed one of the many patterns is a lot of people in my family have Pluto on the IC. My sister has Pluto on the IC. My nephew has Pluto on the IC and on both sides of the family, not just one side. So this is inherited on both sides. And so when you have Pluto on the IC, that's, your, your power is very hidden in a way, <laughs> and so, um, and it's very powerful, like, it's very, very, very powerful, but at the same time, this can come out in a way where you're sickingly sweet, I think, to people, but, like, under, like, it's, like, everything is just, like, brewing underneath a little bit <laughs> until it gets to the point of, like, no more Mr. Nice Guy, <laughs> and so I feel like that might be part of, of the inherited generational trauma that my generation that I am in uh, lineage-wise has to deal with. I don't personally have that, but I do have a Scorpio I see, so I do have the same planet there. (laughs) Um, So how do you personally experience that placement, and how would you see that as a generational issue?
2: Well, from my own personal experience, uh, there was a lot of dysfunction in my family. And it kind of goes back to, you know, my parents' parents and, you know, even before that. And I think that Pluto is very much about kind of dealing with our trauma and our wounds and our darkness. And in doing so, reclaiming our power and finding transformation. And so I feel like my family... Was never able to really deal with those things and transmute those things uh and they put it all on me i was always the black sheep i was always the the <laughs> reason for problems like you know i was abused by my stepfather like all, all kinds of things but i forgive all of them because i see their dysfunction i see where it comes from and i choose to be a bigger person i choose to not be sucked into the darkness i i still feel hurt you know obviously by what happened but i recognize that i can't hold on to that and that it made me so much stronger and more powerful to be able to face those things and not be consumed by that trauma and that fear and i'm very thankful for my eighth house moon and pisces because pisces is very good at letting go and transmuting things whereas scorpio you know gets really stuck on feelings and so it can be really easy to be stuck on the past be stuck on the things that you know have stunted our growth or made it hard to flourish um but instead you know i used all that pain and that suffering to really find my power and to really move forward and to make a difference and put uh, is actually my favorite planet because i oh i guess i'm rooted in it so it's like very familiar with me but i i find that's where, where we have such a deep power to like really make a difference if we're willing to look at our wounds and face our trauma and you know is the trauma that is generational like we're talking about because the fourth house is that inherited family karma um and yeah i feel like i'm gonna make a difference because i choose to do something different with that than my family
0: absolutely it's interesting because i also have you know i don't have the moon there but i have i do have a pisces eighth house as well and mm-hmm. so that really like is something i feel as well i think i have slightly different challenges but kind of the same themes in the sense that i feel like there's a lot of generational trauma but i don't feel like i don't say this in any sort of uh in any sort of disrespectful way it just is what it is but i feel like there's a lot of people in my family not all that are just not emotionally developed enough in this lifetime Mm -hmm. to really acknowledge the power of what something is and so it gets put in this place of blame or accusation or um, perhaps uh, just excuses for bad behavior because of it being the times, or the generation, rather than recognizing that this is much more of like a long term generational issue, that actually goes back at least three or four generations, which is crazy to me. (laughs) And so it sort of feels like a lot of us, and I speak to a lot of my clients as well. And like, this seems to be like a running theme lately. But it seems like our generation really is the cycle breakers mm-hmm. and so you know that our parents generation wanted to do better than their own parents generation um every generation wants to do that but it feels like our <laughs> our are our, our, it, it's like it's funny I'm not a Pluto and Scorpio person I'm at the very end of it I'm Pluto in Libra yeah almost but, there <laughs> <laughs> but I have a lot of those those abilities in a sense or it's like I really have worked most of my life trying to be the cycle breaker in that sort of way and like that's very difficult because you know you obviously inherit your trauma and so there have been times where I have been just as guilty <laughs> of doing certain things that my parents did because it's something that I was taught but I think that the real difference was is I recognized that to be a pattern or a cycle and then I work to like fix that and so like I don't feel like there's been a lot of acknowledgement at least in my own family that things are what they are like uh like it almost like very normalized things like like uh so-and-so doesn't have an eating disorder they just took medicine to make them lose weight because everybody took it back then type of thing (laughs) or like uh this person was not an addict. They just liked gambling. <laughs> so it's just like, you know, everyone gambled at that time. And 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 that's not the case. <laughs> and I think that so like my purpose has really been to come in. And it's not me like finger pointing at anyone. It's just me being like, okay, enough is enough. Time to break these cycles, call them out for what they are so that we can retire them and we can have greater cycles come in and begin because I do believe in the process of renewal. And maybe that's my Pluto and Libra.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, also your, most of your formative years were Pluto and Scorpio cause you're like right on that cusp. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that yeah, you have a really good point because I think there is a lot of sweeping things under the rug that goes on. Um, with this generational trauma and these pains, like in my own experience, it's hard to get my family to acknowledge things or not be dismissive. Um, really the only person that's like willing to like hear me is my mom, but that's also the moon eighth house. You know? <laughs> so it makes sense that she's the only one, but yeah, there's a, a need for accountability. And at, at some point, you know, you can only do what you can do and you have to just kind of be like, an example. And that's what I'm trying to do for my families, you know, show them that I'm going to overcome this and that they can do better. And I hope that they do. And I forgive them, you know, cause this they their programming, but at some point they have to take responsibility and try to do things differently and work through it. And that was like really the turning point for me is when I decided, you know, I wasn't going to be a victim. I was going to work through things. And th- thank God for all my fixed placements because I'm so stubborn and determined. I don't let anyone <laughs> tell me what my life is going to be.
0: <laughs> that's amazing. I'm glad that you, I mean, and that's integration right there too. Working with what you have that could be shadow, like being stubborn and fixed could be shadow, but you actually integrate it for your be- for the better. So like, that's amazing. Like, that's the point. And I, and I was thinking last night before I went to bed too about the fact that, we run from our shadow, we're taught to run from our shadow or face the shadow, right? But like, we don't really work with integrating the shadow as much, you know what I mean? Like, how do we turn tragedy or or like, uh, or setbacks or problems into something that actually works to our benefit um, for our growth and expansion. And I think it's interesting that you do that type of work. How do you find that you're able to integrate, aside from the example we just gave, (laughs) um, some of the shadow parts of yourself into the everyday, or how do you work with your clients to do that?
2: Well, I think it's about being honest, you know, that's the, the part of Scorpio energy and Pluto is like, looking at things really honestly, you know, dirt and all like, it's not an that makes us comfortable you know it can be kind of ugly to look at our shadow but there's a lot of beauty we hide in it too we give a lot of our power away when we're afraid to look at these things that are deeper within ourselves and you know there's more than one side to everything and i think in astrology one thing i really like to work with is uh oppositions because they're different sides of the same coin you know it's about finding that balance you know so how can I be more stable and solid and wean into Taurus to like, help me work through this like emotional transformative intensity in Scorpio. And, you know, the same with all the signs and their opposites, they help complete each other. So like, how can I find this balance in myself and how can I take these hard experiences and find a silver lining? How can I find the goodness? How can I find that growth in that transformation because it's not all bad. I can't like just let it be all bad and define my life in that way. I have to take that power back.
0: I have a confession. I'm kind of obsessed with vintage lingerie and I have been pretty much my whole life, which sounds kind of weird to say, But I also grew up obsessed with Courtney Love and her style was so informative to my own personal style since I was a child. I love slips, I love teddies, I love taking the pin up girl style and making it my own. And when I'm looking for good vintage lingerie, Bride of the Fox has my back. They are a store located in Roanoke, Virginia, but they have an online presence so you can shop online too. And you can find them on Instagram at Bride of the Fox. They have great items all the way from 1915 to the 1990s. Right now I'm kind of obsessed with this teddy that they have. It's like kind of beige and beautiful and silk, but what I really love is that it has a 40 inch bust. And it's so hard to find lingerie that's, like, good for someone who's kind of top-heavy like me. So if you're also into vintage lingerie, you should go right now at Bride of the Fox on Instagram. And you can check out their Etsy store. Some of their stuff is also on Instagram. And if you do live in Virginia, go to their in-person store. They even have private appointments. specific things that or aspects that you find often in your work that you feel like are important to look for and what what are your findings as far as that is concerned like do you find um, common issues uh, that are worth noting
2: well in terms of looking at you know our our generational um, karma or the things to work through I always look for the outer planets because the outer planets are more of these transcendental things that are kind of coming into focus for our generation on a whole, um, which would be uh, Uranus through Pluto. Um, so that's always a good place to look. Uh, and then obviously what house is in and how that's kind of playing out in your experience, because they are such slow-moving planets. Uh, in terms of aspects, I really love squares and oppositions, because it's oftentimes the things that are hard to kind of work with and bring together that lead to the most growth and there's a reason that it is bringing up a challenge in our life because we're here to kind of answer the call of that challenge and grow through that that struggle and seeing those things that need to be dealt with and worked on uh, that maybe haven't in the past and that's why we're here to work on it.
0: Do you find, okay, so this is something I found very interesting. I started looking at all of the charts of people in my family, and I went, tried to go back as far generationally as I can, and it sucks that we don't have full charts the older it goes back because we don't have birth times. because how useful would that be? But um, I do find something interesting is there's a lot of repeats of certain combinations, mm-hmm. for instance, sun and moon. Mercury, the, um, my sister is almost identical, even down to de- degrees as my grandfather, which I think is very interesting, and both of my grandfathers have the same birthday, <laughs> so they even have their son to the same degree and on both sides of the family, which I also find very interesting, and then I find certain degrees seem to come up in the charts of uh, a lot of ancestors, and then people who are currently alive. And what's crazy to me <laughs> is that it's on all sides of my family, including step family. So, like for instance, one degree I find often I'll find like 23 degrees uh, Gemini <laughs> or 14 degrees Taurus, and it's like uh, or 19. The big one was 19 degrees Scorpio, <laughs> <laughs> and. If you look up the Sabian symbol for that, it's a pretty heavy number. They call that the accursed degree. <laughs> it was in the charts of Grace Kelly and Charles Manson. <laughs> so it's like you have, it's a very sharp degree. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so the other things I feel like um the more common ones is like a lot of things, that, a lot of the fixed signs at 22 degrees which again another (laughs) very uh intense degree (laughs) so I'm curious if if you find that a lot in your work like certain degrees and what you think that might need.
2: well I mean in terms of family I definitely see patterns where there's like energies that's shared between family members which just makes sense to me because you know we're physically connected through our DNA of our families. So like our energy, we're like a continuation of their story uh, with our own twist and evolution uh, there for after. Um, but I don't know, particularly if I see something with my clients um, that stands out because everyone's coming from a different background. Uh, I've noticed though, that certain cultures tend to be very heavy in certain elements Like people that are Latinx tend to have a lot of fire in their chart, uh, or at least a a decent amount of fire. Um, People that are Irish also have a lot of fire in their chart and they got red hair, (laughs) Uh, you know, things like that. There's like things that kind of bind us culturally. Wow. Um,
0: I have have a lot of water in my chart. Is that Jewish?
2: (laughs) Yeah, a lot of emotions
0: yeah i guess that makes sense we are emotional people Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's so interesting i never even thought about that before huh
2: yeah this is is something i noticed um and you know i think it also has to do with like the regions culturally so a place by the water like i think japan has a lot of water signs uh, also a lot of earth signs they're a lot more reserved in their culture so those things kind of make sense um But yeah, it's it's not like a steadfast rule. Obviously there's exceptions to everything.
0: I feel like there's also a lot of air in my family, which I think makes sense because we're very chatty people (laughs) and we're full of ideas. My my sister's my sister just recently passed away and I was talking to a friend of hers and uh my sister had no fire in her chart none at all she she was all water and air (laughs) (laughs) and like if she had had a little bit more fire like perhaps things would have turned out differently and i was just thinking how it's uh fire is is very like it like i feel like uh Fire, fire is needed so things can get done. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, it's interesting that I, like, that has made me just stop and evaluate the people in my family who couldn't really get over some of the generational issues or the ones that lacked fire. Whereas the ones who have fire in their charts, for instance, my other sister's very fire heavy, uh, or two, actually two of my sisters, I have many sisters, two of my sisters who are very fire heavy are like the ones that were actually able in some ways to break some of the bad karma. (laughs) So that's so interesting to me. Whereas I think my journey being kind of water heavy has been perhaps really like, feeling the emotional processes of it all really brooding in it a little bit in order to eventually break it like I have to work through things and let it like flow and run through me and then I can be done with it
2: <laughs> yeah fire is definitely uh, about taking action and kind of going head-on at whatever the thing is you want to uh, work through uh, and I'm actually I only have one fire sign in my chart and it's my rising sign <laughs> so, <laughs> so I can definitely wait I'm very thankful for my Leo rising I think it's That's very awesome. b- beneficial um, but you know, also like when I think about Scorpio, I think of Scorpio as kind of like a fiery water sign. <laughs> like yeah. they, they get stuck until they're like, I'm over it. I'm ready to not brood anymore. <laughs> like, my go. sister
0: was, my sister is so weird in the sense that like, she was very, she had a lot, she had Scorpio stellium and she had a, a Libra stellium. And so she would have these explosive freakouts. And she would never apologize. She would just move on. Like everything was fine. (laughs) Everything was like brushed under the rug. Like nothing happened. We're fine. Everything's good. Or she would like buy somebody something just to make up for it because she felt like shameful or embarrassed for her behavior. And it's like all of these planets were also in an opposition to Saturn. (laughs) And she was going through a very heavy Saturn transit when she passed away so it's just so strange how astrology can be so on point it's crazy
2: yeah it's crazy (laughs) when you pay attention and that's like actually why keeping a journal is a really amazing thing because you can look back at your life events and you can be like where were the planets and like what triggered this event happening in my life and You know, I think that's like a thing that really wins people over to being a believer in astrology, like when you can see how it's like playing out in your personal life or somebody's life that you know, because you're like actually seeing, you know, the concrete expression of that energy.
0: Oh, yeah. It was very strange, too, because my sister was um, there. She was there during 9-11, and one of the last conversations that her and I had I was so excited like she hated astrology but she also kind of like would always call her friend and be like can you look at this person's chart for me please that she was dating and so as much as she like doubted it and thought it was bullshit she also like like benefited from it in a way which is very Scorpio Libra yeah (laughs) and yeah and I was thinking about how um I was thinking about how she survived this like very crazy event and time in history. And this was prior to lockdown. This was prior to anything that we're experiencing right now. This was four or five months ago. And I remember saying like when the North node hits three degrees, because that's where it was on nine 11. And that is my North node degree. So it's something like that's conscious for me because I'm always kind of studying it because it's, that's my North node. (laughs) And so, um, I was like, when the North Node, uh, and and we just literally went through that return, the day that lockdown got announced, I was like, I think that there's going to be like a major world event that's going to shut down New York City, you know, and uh, I was like, I feel like it's going to be like that, and it's just, that was one of the last conversations that I had with her. She died like two days later, and so it's just so insane that it was so accurate (laughs) and like um just like knowing to a degree like what could potentially happen and granted this isn't the same experience that September 11th was but it's not that different (laughs) to be honest and we're all in this weird flux of like do we leave our houses do we stay home (laughs) like what is safe what is not safe There's changes to the mail. There's changes to like the way that we have to live our life. There's changes to airplanes and how we're going to travel. And I think that that's going to change drastically as as time kind of moves on from this. So it's just, it's very interesting to study. Like, I feel like we're in a very interesting case study right now, (laughs) like as a global planet.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's definitely having a global impact and you know a lot of astrologers have been looking towards 2020 for like major things happening because we see all these planetary alignments ahead of time and like the things that they may cause and it's really the start of this you know global transformation like we can't not address the problems that are a part of the structure of the world anymore because when saturn pluto and Uh, Jupiter all get together in Capricorn it was like okay like things need to be dealt with especially because Pluto has been in Capricorn since 2008 so it's kind of been like building like we've been seeing all these issues with the way the world is structured but until something really caused a major disruption like we weren't able to deal with it you know in a certain sense or start to address it more meaningfully and that's actually one benefit I think of quarantine is it gives people more time to reflect on things and what we need to fix in the world, because they're not, you know, just a slave to their nine to five job uh, than just like trying to, you know, zone out and deal with the stress when they're not working. They have more time to reflect on what needs to actually be done. And I am a big believer that this year is going to be the start of really meaningful changes in the world, hopefully for the better. Um, I'm always an optimist. You know, and I really believe in the the power of the human spirit and coming together and cooperating to make really meaningful things happen, especially with Saturn going into Aquarius next or well, the end of this year. Um, and then Jupiter also joining up in Aquarius.
0: I've been trying to like think about my predictions <laughs> um, and I think that like as a person that like loves culture, pop culture, music, art, things like that. I feel like it's going to be a really innovative time. And I think we're going to see a huge rise again from the underground and and real changes which we we need so badly right now.
1: <laughs> I yep. feel like
0: everything has been very boring for a while. So like and like and and okay, so like my prediction is like you think about the late 80s early very early 90s like 1990 right mm-hmm. we think about conspicuous consumption we think about <sighs> the people on our television and on MTV they were all about you know having nice things <laughs> having expensive things Can, like just what do i have to prove that i am a rock star that i am that i am all of these things and then that makes me think of like the current Instagram culture everything is a product everything is a brand um, people curating their lives in this particular way my hope for Saturn in Aquarius is that it like like there's a nirvana that (laughs) rises you know what I mean or there's like um, a movement that sort of rises and so like even down to the way that we carry ourselves in dress and and what we're consuming is going to change and become very minimalist. And I, at this point, don't see how it's not going to be that because so many people are out of work right now. They can't afford to eat fancy meals that they looked at on, you know, Buzzfeed food or whatever, you know what I mean? Like they're, they can't afford that anymore. They can't afford the nice things anymore, which sucks. But like also that, means maybe there's more substance now that could occur. Yeah. (laughs) Which I think could be cool. And I also think that, like, perhaps with, like, technology changing so rapidly, we'll develop new technologies in which we'll give birth to creative things that we never thought were imaginable.
2: Yeah, definitely. There's going to be a lot of innovation with technology. And I do agree that there's going to be more emphasis on finding our unique individuality as, you know, the world shifts. Uh, That's, you know, very Aquarian energy. But I also think it's going to be about being seriously humanitarian, because that's another aspect of Aquarius. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we see all these issues in the world, and you kind of spoke to people not being able to afford the things that they used to. There's so many people that this economic crisis that's happened. Uh, that are on the brink of homelessness or, you know, don't have money to eat or like whatever. And there's all these issues beyond that in the world that we need to address, especially climate change. That's like a really big thing, too. Like it was 100 degrees in the Arctic this past week. It's never been 100 degrees there. So there's a lot of need for innovation and coming together. And part of that innovation is about really stepping into our gifts and our unique offerings to the collective which is, you know, very Aquarian. And so the hard work over the next, you know, three years with Saturn in Aquarius is going to be about finding what that looks like and solidifying that and having a solid contribution to making the world a better place, but in doing so also being solid in who we are in the best sense. And it's going to, you know, be a bit of a struggle maybe at first because that's how Saturn is. Um, But my favorite analogy for Saturn is without pressure, you don't get diamonds. (laughs) so so it's trying to make us our own unique individual diamonds and it's putting pressure on us and i think it's really cool that jupiter's there next year too because you know they're kind of opposite energies everything comes easy where jupiter is so there'll be a lot of expansion and opportunity in those areas but then after that the next two years when jupiter's not there it'll be about like now how do i solidify that
0: yeah i always like to say that saturn is mr building He's not trying to punish Zach. He's just trying to teach him a lesson. <laughs> so that's my, that's my analogy for Saturn. Diamonds is a much better analogy.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that's one people can relate to. And it kind of relates to the, the finer things that you were talking about. Too. <laughs> we're trying to make ourselves the diamonds rather than having physical diamonds.
0: Fair. Yes. Um then... right. oh, sorry, go on.
2: Oh, also, kind of a lot of these themes uh, remind me of Uranus and Taurus, too, and, like, all this upheaval in our values and this, you know, shifting towards, like, having to redefine, like, what actually gives us support and what our resources are. And in some sense, I think there's going to be a shift to being more local or investing more in the people that we tangibly have contact with or in our communities. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And the
0: nodes, too. That makes me think about, like, you know, the North Node being in Gemini. That is about our local community. It's, like, moving away from that Sagittarius South Node, which is, like, about what's happening overseas, what's happening um, religiously, what's happening, uh, like, oh, here's the big thing I've been thinking about, like, also with this, like, We're finally calling into question the college system and the higher education system and things (laughs) like that and, like, student loans and, like, is college necessary anymore now that the foundations are crumbling and just thinking about how children or teenagers are having to go to college now and it's a completely different experience having to do it from their homes and not having that, like, social aspect of it, like i just i feel like the educational system is something to pay attention to with these that nodal change as well you know what i mean
2: oh yeah definitely and we have to rethink what that looks like because clearly it's been broken and not working but now we actually have to address it because the infrastructures are crumbling and failing with pluto and capricorn we're seeing it you know
0: yeah Um, absolutely
2: and it's interesting, too, because going back to talking about Saturn and Aquarius, uh, at the same time, you know, Saturn is going to be in Aquarius. Gemini will be at some point tr- or the Gemini North Node will be trying it. So it's going to, you know, be a focus on, you know, our more local and personal communities and our the way we personally think about things, but also how that relates to the collective and the hard work of reimagining what the collective looks like in a better sense. Oh
0: Yeah. Um such such interesting things to think about like my brain is just having a springboard of all of these ideas right now yeah (laughs) um so if our listeners wanted to begin to kind of delve into doing some deeper healing work with you what would a session with you look like
2: um so generally they're about an hour and a half i like to be very thorough i have tons of virgo asteroids (laughs) So so I'm very methodical. um, Also, maybe because I'm autistic, Um, but generally it starts with you know the natal chart reading. That's always the basis, and I walk through everything, talk about the aspects, talk about the houses. I kind of make it partially a lesson. I have a bunch of planets in Capricorn too, so I find that if I'm giving people information and it's not useful, then it's pointless. So I definitely take the time to clearly explain and make sure people understand in a really easy way to work with these energies. Uh, and then we go through the whole natal chart. And then I do transits like what's happening like right now. And, you know, for the foreseeable bit of the future and like how that's playing out in your life. Um, and that's, you know, the initial place. And if people have specific questions, I always, uh, love dialogue. I think astrology works best as a dialogue. Um, And uh, yeah, I do other kinds of readings too, but that's just like the the basis. And usually we go really deep and it's very impactful. And part of why I do astrology too is just because I want to help people and I always have, I just didn't know what it was until I discovered astrology. Um, But my moon being in Pisces, there's that selfless spirit of one to heal and nurture (laughs) others. And then my North nodes actually conjunct my palace Athene in the seventh house in Pisces. So it kind of adds to that that energy of just really wanting to make the world a better place by doing what I can. Uh, Also, I do sliding scale because, you know, especially with the economy being the way it is right now, you know, not everyone has as much they can afford to give, but it doesn't mean they're not deserving of help and support. And I'm a big believer that we're going to make the world a better place by supporting each other and lifting each other up. And we all have something to give and offer.
0: Absolutely. Ah, it's so lovely to talk to you. I feel like we're on the same journey in so many ways, and navigating this weird world kind of with similar challenges. So I look forward to you becoming my new friend.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, we're definitely already friends. Yes, yeah. I look forward to seeing what we can do in terms of helping people with our insights of astrology
0: (laughs) absolutely you have to come back and talk please hit us up the next time you have something you feel is worth discussing because we would love to have you back you are so insightful and i appreciate your time today
2: well thanks you for having me and i really look forward to the next time we have a discussion like this and i'll probably be sometime after everything moves out of my 12th house whenever things are in my 12th house it's (laughs) like
0: And then you could come and tell us all about yourself when it's in your first time.
2: <laughs> yeah, as a Leo Ryzen, that's pretty easy. It comes naturally. <laughs> I
0: love that. Okay, so where can we find you online?
2: Um, so far I only have my Instagram. I'm working on getting my website up and uh once I move uh to a quieter place, I'm gonna start doing a YouTube, but it's really loud and noisy where I'm at and it's kinda hard to shoot videos. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my goodness that's so funny I'm literally in the process of moving for the same exact reason I love astrology
2: <laughs> well I mean it sounds like our our houses are pretty similar or yeah. you're a Virgo rising right
0: I'm a Virgo rising at three yeah. degrees so uh,
2: okay yeah. I'm a we are rising at 20 degrees so close to being a Virgo rising and then
0: we have some of the houses that my my chart's weird where it's not a typical Virgo rising chart. Like my IC is in my third house. And so like and it and, and so like and it's in Scorpio. So it's kind of like half a Leo rising chart, half a Virgo rising chart if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, it's kind of funny how the location you're born and the time of year can just make such a difference with the houses. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> I have I have a, a friend who has her and I and this is so rare. But I have a friend that has her um, midheaven in her 11th house. And I just think it's so bizarre. Do you Have you ever seen that before?
2: I feel like I might have, but like, I can't <laughs> remember. I've looked at so many charts. And generally, I have like a photographic memory. I can just like see somebody's chart in my head, but uh, it's not yeah. coming to me.
0: <laughs> All right. I hope you have a great day. Thank you so much.
2: You too. Thanks, B. Bye. Bye. I'm gonna go. One thing
3: first. I bind you, Nancy, from doing harm. Harm against other people and harm against yourself. Wait! I bind you, Nancy, from doing harm. Harm against other people and harm against yourself. Wait! I bind you, Nancy, from doing harm. Harm against other people and harm against yourself.
0: So this week I wanted to talk a little bit about trauma bonds and how they work and why you go back even if you know someone is a narcissist. So knowing what a trauma bond is and escaping the intense pull of it are two entirely different things and even though knowing about what a trauma bond is is a great start to breaking it it doesn't necessarily guarantee that the bond will be broken trauma bonds are chemical releases that happen in your brain and in your um in the way that you think when you're in a relationship with somebody who repeats patterns that you learned in childhood Or that you connect with because you share a similar trauma or that you connect because you are in a abusive relationship cycle and the interesting thing about trauma bonds is they actually function in the same way that addiction actually functions the way that your brain reacts is the same to a trauma bond as it is during an addiction spiral. So when the narcissist will love bomb you, going back and, you know, pretending like nothing ever happened and overcompensating and acting like everything is great and showering you with gifts or showering you with attention. And then it goes back to the to the repeat pattern of devaluation. It causes your brain to actually become confused and during this time your brain actually releases serotonin which is the chemical that makes you feel good followed by cortisol which is the stress hormone and then this becomes an endless chemical cycle inside of your body and so if you love someone you can add a healthy dose of oxytocin to that which is the chemical that is responsible for intimacy and bonding it gets released when you um have sex with somebody and it gets released when you when babies are born and that strengthens the bond between two people and you have a brain that is like addicted to feeling good to a certain person whether or not that person is actually good for you it's a chemical reaction and so this is like a good thing when you have a healthy relationship but when you have a relationship where the narcissistic partner is intentionally mean and then follows it up with this like type of kindness like a love bomb it can really cause your brain and your body confusion so think of it as jumping into a pool with freezing cold water so like once you jump in you can feel shock and pain and a bunch of discomfort all over your body and your body tries to adapt by you know shivering and you get goosebumps but you're still cold and after a few minutes you're still uncomfortable because you're cold but you sort of get used to it right imagine that right after you jump in you get out And then you get into a heated jacuzzi and that'll feel really good. You may even feel a little euphoria because it's so nice after the shock of the cold water. So now you get out of the jacuzzi and you jump back into the cold water but you stay there a little bit longer and you'll probably shiver a lot. But if you get out again and you go back to the pool that isn't heated like the jacuzzi, Imagine doing this over and over and over again. Now you jump out of the pool. You wonder why something cold comes to you. You want the feeling of going back into the jacuzzi after the freezing cold water. You don't want to jump in the freezing water again, but you crave the feeling of relief that you get. And that's how you get addicted to somebody that's completely unhealthy for you. You get addicted to the wanting, to the chase, to the not getting what you want. That's a trauma bond. And this is just a simple example of what a trauma bond is. You may even know exactly how you crave it so badly that like, You don't know how to break it, you know? (sighs) So it's similar to a drug addiction. And I've known a lot of addicts, and they hated the fact that they were addicted to the substances that they were addicted to, but they couldn't get off of it. They just kept going back. Even when someone that we knew died of an overdose. couldn't themselves stop from using. Your body becomes addicted to it. But that's a whole other story. So with trauma bonding, your brain is producing a drug based on the behavior that is used against you. So like any addiction, the person has to make an effort to break the trauma bond, usually going through extreme withdrawals depression sadness anxiety you may even feel physically sick after a while you stop associating pleasure with the person who provided it only by devaluation and you learn how to feel good on your own and then you learn to rebuild healthy relationships where when someone gives you attention and it's consistent it doesn't seem overwhelming And that's a healthy relationship. So the first step of getting rid of trauma bonds in your life is really first acknowledging it in the first place. And deciding, no matter how good this feels, this cycle, I'm going to break it. I'm going to be the one that gets away. And now for music by Marissa Lee.
4: The lake. I can hear the oil churning, sinful though I love to take. I can hear the verses so, lips across a silver ray. The five hands, the heartbeat, all love it so. But I Sun in its cradle rocks me awake. The anger, a little stirs, but never.
0: for the self-care
1: tip of the week hi my name is Anna and B asked me to do the self-care tips of the week this week Uh, it's a little bit funny when she first asked I was all excited I was like yeah somebody asked me to do self-care tips of the week or a book review um, and I haven't read any books lately, so let's, let's do this. And then I panicked, because um, I was like, oh man, Anna, you, you don't take care of yourself a good chunk of the time. Um, <laughs> so I thought about the irony in that, uh, however, I think that, uh, there is some value in me trying to give some self-care tips that may occasionally work for people who struggle with self-care. And so one of the first ones that I want to tell you to try and do this week is to take out your phone or your iPad or your computer and set it up to record a front-facing video. to just say hi to yourself you know turn the camera on see yourself say hi and then just word vomit um, it's a really weird uh, exercise that I do you just you, you just talk to yourself for however long you need um, and it really helps you humanize yourself and see yourself in a different way and it's really nice especially when you are kind of isolated as we are with the pandemic and with everything else going on in the world uh, to just kind of get to see yourself and say all the things that you need to say and get it all out there. Uh, The second thing is probably a little more like easy. For most people to do and that is to just try and find a little bit of time alone to yourself to just move it could just be pacing around the house that's what I do um, could be some yoga could be some dance uh, but just to move because Lord knows like just sitting around all day and you know laying around all day um, it's not great for you so if you have that capacity uh, to just move. Um even just a little bit for just a little bit of time. It really does kind of help breathe some life back into you. And those are my self-care tips for this week. Uh if you have any questions, uh comments, uh direct them towards me or you can get in touch with me at Anna is an artist on Instagram. I'm always open to new people wanting to talk to me. Um I do occasionally post about astrology, uh, mainly memes, and uh, I post a lot of my artwork on there um, because that's what I'm trying to do is be an artist. So thanks so much, B, for letting me do this. (laughs)
3: And
4: now, Burn Black presents the Burn Black Book Club. Say that five times
5: fast. Hey, BBs, it's Reagan here. I wanted to tell you all to please go out and buy, um, download, go to your local library and check out this amazing book called Stop Telling Women to Smile by Tatiana Faza Lisa Day. Um, Tatiana is a street artist actually from my hometown of Oklahoma City, um, and she's now based out of Brooklyn, I believe, and her art. Is centered around street harassment and all the stories that go along with that. Because this book is so important, um, I think instead of telling you much more about it, I just want to read a little excerpt for you guys so you can understand just the magnitude and importance of this book. We live in a society that has cultivated a rape culture in which sexual violence against women is presented as entertainment on TV and in the movies, where misogynistic language is normalized, where women are blamed when they are assaulted, and where sexual harassment is accepted and tolerated. All of these things and more create an environment where women feel unsafe and vulnerable. Rape culture means a man can brag about sexually assaulting women, be accused of sexual harassment and or assault by 16 women, and still be elected to the presidency of the United States. Um, There's just so many good things in this book. So many stories from women talking about um, what they faced with harassment, specifically street harassment, and how they learned to deal with that. So please go pick it up if you can. I would recommend it to anyone, everyone. And remember you guys to keep loving one another, keep listening and learning and to have solidarity with all the women around you out there. And I love you guys. Bye.
0: And that's our episode BBs. As always, I want to thank Reagan and Lauren who are collective members who always contribute to making this project fantastic and this week I would like to thank Anna and Yoko Ok as well as Marissa Lee for contributing music and Stephen Edwards I love and appreciate all of you go follow Chad at uh, Astral Integrations on Instagram he's a wonderful reader and I look forward to having him back on the show I love and appreciate all of you I'm kind of booked until November with written readings now. Thank you, guys. You have been wonderful. But I'm still taking phone and recorded readings at this time. And go sign up for my Patreon. It's only a dollar to sign up. Patreon.com slash burnblack. I love and appreciate all of you. So have a great week. Peace, love, and empathy.
6: with you Dumb. Why can't we live Dumb. on the fly? Dumb. Dumb. You think it's Dumb. okay to sit on this Dumb. this skeleton of oh, ah, oh, oh, oh. communication style dummies seem to run on its on yeti and no Dumb. more Dumb. smiles dum, dum Da -da dum, 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 da -da dum, 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 da -da dum, 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 da -da dum, dum, dum. dum. I guess this might be goodbye. Dum, I never wanted this to be the ending of our love. But I am thinking it has to be dumb. The friendship is do not when it's all the fun. I dumb the skeleton. Can't regrow in just one night. Dumb, dumb, da da dum, dumb, dumb. dumb, dumb. Da, da dum dum dum. The skeleton da, da, dum, dum dum. It can't regrow. Oh, dum, dum. The skeleton dum dum. It can't regrow. It just was.
4: Burn black.